Welcome to Epiphany Fellowships Podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. That's all right. We're going to get there at the end of this sermon, too. We're going to come right back to this at the end of this. How many of you are glad to be here today? Amen. Well, we didn't finish last week. We didn't finish. So we're going to do part two of the same message, but just the latter verses. Um, back in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Sometimes we may have mid-sermon praise breaks. We might have a quarter of the way in praise breaks. I'm after something. And so, and so but it's going to happen. And this is not about mere emotionalism. It's about biblical understanding of what your real muscle is. We're going to find out. In your mouth is a loaded gun. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. One, two, three, read. Somebody say, take your stand. They ain't feeling you. Look at that person on the other side of you and say, fam, take your stand. Now you got to say, take your stand. Y'all too, you can't be proper with it. Got to be gully with it. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go before God. God, power is needed. We need a power up. Lord, we're not trying to be hyper-charismatic. We're just trying to be biblical. And God, I'm praying today, I'm praying through this series that you will reveal the concealed. And that you would break everything on our life through the might of the gospel. Lord God, show us that the enemy has been disarmed. Show us that death has no sting. And God, I'm praying for another, and not just in a cliche way, but I'm praying for another level for us. God, I'm praying in the mighty name of Christ that we would experience and see victory in areas where we've had years of compromise, years of challenge, and years of demonic oppression and submission. So God, deal with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my master. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that? Say it. 
You may be seated. Part two of what is spiritual warfare. As you remember last week, as we walked in the beginning of our passage, we talked about the merging and challenge of the broken connection between the natural and the spirit world. We talked about that in the beginning, God created, uh, but prior to natural creation, he, of course, created a spiritual universe. And he created that natural universe not to be separate from that spiritual universe, but a natural expression of what was happening spiritually. And so God created the heavens and the earth to be merged together. That's why it says in the beginning he created the heavens, plural, and the earth, singular. And, and, and then we understood that Adam and Eve were able to interact freely in that, in both realms in some way, shape, or form, which we'll talk about next week when we go to Genesis 3. But then the fall caused Adam to lose spiritual access while Satan gained physical access. And so the, the worlds began to demerge, if you will, because of the brokenness of sin and because of the messiness of the decision of Adam uh, to follow Satan instead of God. Let me just let you know this. Whenever you decide to, find, to follow Satan instead of God, something's bound to fall apart. Something. But, 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 but then uh, God wanting to get the global Eden, the fall caused the global Eden to be put on hold. God drafted Israel. Israel was supposed to be a kingdom of priests. And they were supposed to build up a Jerusalem that was supposed to be a global Eden that was a reflection of God's work in the earth based on heaven. When Jesus comes on the scene, he comes to redeem. And what he does is he comes as the first to be the first of a type of merger. He is already God, but he takes on an additional nature when he becomes incarnate in a body. And so now he is operating on earth as a human being while still having access to the heavens. So he begins to be the beginning of the re-emerging of things which we get the word redemption from. But then from there he drafts the church to be a beastly kingdom of renewed people that when you trust him as savior by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, that you become a part of that merger by being born again. That's why you have to be born of the spirit. And that's why he said flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom. And so, he, 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 so, so you have to be born again, therefore being connected to the kingdom, but you're in a sinful body yet connected to earth. So you're in a wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual messiness which utilizes your flesh to de-sanctify you from what God wants you to be set aside for. But then from there one day Jesus Christ is going to come back and wreck shop. And when he comes back in wreck shop, he's going to fully reanimate the universe in order that what God wanted at the beginning would be on an upgrade. In other words, the first time it was corruptible, but we will all be one day raised and the heavens and the earth will be raised to what Peter calls in 1 Peter incorruptible. 
In other words, a fall won't cause the universe to collapse anymore because we'll get brand spanking new bodies. We get upgraded bodies and we get fully glorified and then we get to spend time on heaven and in earth. So the merger is not only a merger when we're just on earth, but now we get to elevate between earth and heaven. But right now we're in a battle. We're in a battle because the enemy is mad that he's cast out. And what he does is he attempts to utilize your life as a believer, as a target because of God's glory mandate on your life. I want to let you know today that there's a glory mandate on your life. And this glory mandate is that you would be God's fashion show on planet earth. In other words, you are supposed to get on the runway of life and wear his glory in such a beastly, in such a magnificent, in such a glorious way that your lifestyle is supposed to be a consistent photo shoot and selfie of what it looks like to merge heaven and earth together on earth. That's why he prayed, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it is merger. Merger. We're in the merger. And so... We come here to this passage where we talk about how the merger is being fought against. The enemy uh, fights against us. We, uh, uh, we, we, he's fighting against us because he doesn't want us to utilize the gospel. Simply put, he does not want redemption to happen. And so last week, we began walking through several things. We walked through the fact when it says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. And we talked about what that means. We went and we talked about... But, or put on the full armor of God, not part of it, but all of it, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Stop right there. I got a few more schemes to go through that we didn't finish last week. And then I'm going to keep moving, all right? All right, so I got a couple more schemes that the devil utilizes. Again, what is a scheme? A scheme is a way of doing something deceptive especially in a systematic way to deter someone from God's will. Let me say it again. A way of doing something deceptive, especially in a systematic way to get people away from God's will. So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. So let me give you some of Satan's devices. We already talked about individualism last week. Now I want to talk about three more, and then I'm going to move on in this passage. Um, abusive liberties. A liberty, based on Romans 14, is something that you're free to do, but you don't have to do. Okay? It means you're free to do it, but you have to use it in a way that you know it's not always best to be used. Okay, let me explain that. And it's very practical. So Epiphany, someone was visiting one of our life groups. <laughs> and um, I'm gonna I'm do, do apostolic Pauline talk real quick. Um, you know, he'll say, I, it is heard from among you that. that <laughs> so that's what you're gonna hear today. Some, I, it is told that among you. <clears throat> it is told among you that we have heavy drinkers. It got real quiet. <laughs> All right. Now, one of the things that the person said, Epiphany Fellowship went from being the hip-hop church to the drinking church. 
Now, let me qualify this. I'm not prohibiting drinking. That would be unbiblical. What I am prohibiting is two things. Tipsy drunkenness. Tipsiness is drunk. Because you know, you know we'll nuance our sin. I'm not drunk. I'm just a little. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm hearing about people bringing vodka bottles to Bible Now, let me tell you something. I'm from the block. If I'm going to do fresh off the block, coming up in your life group. And you know, in our brother and sisters who are a little more light-skinned than us, their church is a little different. Because in that culture, it's different. In Negroid culture. Don't look at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Listen, it's just a little different. So I come off of the block, I, I, I see shot glasses, wine glasses, with a Bible out, I'm confused. Okay? But, 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 and so we're talking about life groups and like epiphany events. Y'all want to go to happy hour and drink responsibly? That's on you. But, but, but in our life groups, I don't want people to know us by the fruit that we drink. I want them to know us by our fruits. Far be it from us to be known as drinkers. When out of your belly is supposed to flow rivers of living water. So, am I pro I'm not being legalistic. I'm just saying, please, at these events, let's not be known for our liberties and what we're free to do versus what we can sacrifice for a moment for someone else to be ministered to. Listen, Paul says this. He said, if meat caused my brother to stumble, I'll never eat meat again. Now, the second is almost the like. That's Bible talk. Um, many of us think we can handle more than we can. Now, how is that a scheme? The devil loves to use liberties, first off, to confuse people about the gospel. Number two, he loves to help you to be confused about what you can handle. I got Bible for it. It's a scheme. How can one take fire into their bosom and not get burnt? Okay, where's that happen, Pastor? I'll just give you a scenario. We're, me and my friend are going on to the Bahamas. Now, let's just paint the picture. Sand beaches, blue or green water, beautiful sunsets, palm trees, rose petals on a bed, and libations. But you told, you telling me you've gone all the way from the Delaware Valley with the opposite sex to the Bahamas with the wind blowing bikinis and what you call them things, trunks, appetizers and buffets. 
and beds and y'all just friends. I just want to let y'all know, quit, listen, stop it. Listen, some of the dumbest stuff I've gotten into is acting like I can handle stuff I knew that I couldn't handle and I found my stuff. I, oh, I won't do it again, God. The next time I do it, I'm going to be more sanctified. So I pray and read a little bit more Bible and then tell an accountability partner that's really cool about it. So they're not accountability. They're just an affirmer. And now you back up in something. What, 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 what the enemy loves to do is to say you can handle it. I got to move. Next scheme, last scheme of the day, division. <laughs> division in the church, another scheme of the devil. Bible says in Proverbs 6, there's seven things the Lord, hate, the, the, uh, the, the Lord hates, uh, several are an abomination. It's, interestingly enough, one of those things is sowing discord among intimate friends. Yeah. Or oh, brothers, one of the things, <clears throat> you know, as a pastor, I know that people are going to sin. Because I sin. And I know God has to deal with mine and he has to do. So I knew that's what I was signing up for. What I didn't sign up for is divisiveness. Yeah. Now, one of the things that can do, not, nothing's going on now or anything. Not, I, I, I emphasize now. Um, but divisiveness is a very, very key sin that the enemy loves to use as a mechanism to pit Christian against Christian. It's nothing worse than, because a slander, guess what it does? And gossip, it it gives you the ability to paint somebody in a particular way so that people in the body can view them in a particular way and typecast them and cause what Paul already asked for in Ephesians chapter 4 that we would attain to the unity of the faith. But when divisiveness happens, a unity doesn't happen. It exactly works against unity. And little do you know that your, that your let me tell you something and your division thing turns into a mechanism to cause us to not walk in unity as the church. And so we talk about this idea of <clears throat> divisiveness. It is very, very deep for us. Verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Stop. This is interesting because Paul changes terminology here. He changes from off distance fighting to the word struggle here some translations will translate it wrestle in other words the enemy loves to fight you up close <laughs> in other words real strong warfare in your life doesn't happen from the enemy shooting darts from far away he shoots darts up close and the place that he loves to place those darts are in your mind okay one of the things okay you think I'm lying Jesus says Peter why have you let Satan fill your heart his thinking that means that the enemy being a master psychologist sociologist and anthropologist what he does is he finds I don't know spiritually how it happens whether he whisper in your mind or ear but thoughts will come in that end up shipwrecking your ability to walk. That's how your, most of your wrestle is not out here. Most of your greatest wrestle is in here. Let me tell you something. Let me just give you something for free. Your problem ain't the people in your past. 
Your problem ain't your ex. Your problem ain't your boss. Your problem and my problem is the stuff that we allow the enemy to firmly plant in our minds that begins to be the ground for our values, the ground for our wrestling, the ground of our frustration. If you just think about most of what you deal with, most of it starts with it running in your mind. That's why it says, listen, blessed is he who walketh not, standeth not, and sit. Listen, let me tell you something. That's how thoughts do from the devil. First it starts walking in your mind. And then you, you let it walk there. And you, then it stands and then it sits down. In other words, many of us in our life got some stuff sitting in our minds that we need to identify it for what it is in the name of Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives to uproot that mess and tell us exactly what it is So, because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're wrestling against thinking, thinking of the enemy putting stuff in you. When are you going to realize where your fight is? Where do I get that from? The, the <laughs> Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are divinely powered for the destruction of fortresses. We take every, where's your thoughts? In your mind. Why do you take them captive? Because everything in your mind ain't right. When you talk to yourself, you're in trouble. When you have a conversation with your stinking stinking, you're in trouble. That's why it says pull down every stronghold. What's a stronghold? A stubborn thought that refuses to come out of your mind. Let's translate it another way. A stubborn thought that you refuse to uproot from your mind. And see, when we talk about this whole idea of not wrestling against flesh and blood, <clears throat> your greatest battlefield of challenge is going to be the battlefield of your mind. But look what he says. What do we wrestle? What do we wrestle against? He says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but listen, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. This is key. Now, I've heard theologians, now they're retracting it, say stupid stuff that this is not organized. This is just various names for the same thing. Not true. That comes from not understanding how things are structured. We're going to talk about that next week. But I'll give you a trailer real quick. Everything in the spirit realm that's good is not an angel. Everything that's good is not an angel. Everything that's evil is not a fallen angel. Okay? Satan, listen is a very strategic enemy. I'm not glorifying him, but you have to not underestimate him. Because Jesus, when Jesus was faced in Matthew chapter 12 with being called a person that's casting out Satan by the spirit of Beelzebub, which comes out of the book of Enoch. And what happens is, is they, they, they said, you cast out Satan with Satan. Jesus, now Jesus, shut the Bible study down. It was so important for them. He said, I don't care if you're saved or not, but let's, let's understand something. First off, first off, you can blaspheme me all day and night. 
and it'll be forgiven. He said, but if you blaspheme the spirit, it will not be forgiven you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the last witness of the Trinity. Why? First witness was the Father. Second witness is the Son in his incarnation. Third witness is now the Spirit. If you reject the Spirit, you can't get saved. That's why it's the unpardonable sin. But then he tells them something interesting. He said, if Satan casts out Satan, how can a kingdom be divided against itself? What is he telling you about Satan? He's given like a little nudge to let you know he's not big up in Satan, but he's letting you know how crafty the enemy is. And he's letting you know that his kingdom is organized. How is it organized? It's organized with levels of authority. It's, it's, it's organized with the sons of God who are over all the nations. We'll talk about that when we talk about Deuteronomy 32, um, uh, um, uh, Psalm 82, and we talk about the Tower of Babel, and we talk about whether the Nephilim or the tall people or the giants in Genesis 6 were actual human beings or were they actually um, uh, 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 demi-beings who, uh, and we'll talk about that and that's where demons come from. And you got uh, fallen angels, you got demons, and you got sons of God. Structure. <laughs> but the Bible says Satan is the God of this world. In other words, his sphere of divine influence is earth. Now, the purpose of the gospel is to excavate him. However, in between the full removal of him, he still exercises power through an organized system. What is this telling you? Is that this is not just personal spiritual warfare, it's global warfare. In other words, demons are low-level evil spirits. There are bigger spirits that work over territories. It's in the Bible. I used to not even look at this. Now I'm looking like, now y'all finally got this out. Now I'm going back and apologizing to the tongue-talking people that discipled me. That there, there, that, that there are rulers and authorities that are over different territories and have sub-beings under them that's working on every level of society to move it away from God. <clears throat> but it's a natural level. In other words, that the bottom level is individual spiritual warfare. Then there's family spiritual warfare. Ain't nobody talking back. <laughs> there's community spiritual warfare. There's county spiritual warfare. There's city spiritual warfare. There's state spiritual warfare. There's national spiritual warfare. And there's international warfare. On every single level is stationed an evil one who is stationed on every level to resist God's kingdom and the church is supposed to listen resist on every level of those levels by fighting spiritually to be able to fight in this time season and period there's some stuff that can happen if we just war right when people say I don't deal with politics I say well that ain't in the Bible do you know how much politics is in the book of Isaiah why do we have the book of kings? Why do we have like Romans 13? So, I mean, I don't deal with politics. Well, you saying you're backing up from a place where warfare takes place deeply. Most of the warfare that happened in the Bible was political. We'll talk about that later. But why am I saying all this? Our prayers are too small. Your prayer is just about your demons. 
there's bigger stuff that's happening all through every layer of society that the church needs to war in. We're going to get there. And so that's why it says all of these different levels exist. But I like the way Paul laced in the letter. He threads through the letter several things. In chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, he says Jesus brings things together. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, Jesus is seated above all those authorities. But then next, in Ephesians 2, 6, and I like Colossians 3, 1 through 3, Jesus has seated us with him in the heavenly places. I oh, see, you don't understand it because you'd have ran out the building. And you'd have ran down like there was a Broad Street run right now today. Because let me tell you something. Being seated with him in the heavenly places means you have access to his authority. Through the gospel, you have access to Jesus' authority. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain about us being seated in a better seat than what we've been seating in and at a better table. My, my two youngest children, I could fix them a plate, same thing, that I have. They look at their plate, and they look at me and my plate, and even though it's the same thing, they decide that my plate is better than their plate. So they get up from their table, or the table, come to me, sit on my lap and just point. And like a good dad, I let them eat my plate. But they're sitting on my lap and sitting in my place because they think that what I have is better than what they have. When the Colossians 3 says you're seated with him in heavenly places, you're on the lap of Jesus eternally. <laughs> and eternally, you're sitting in the place of Jesus Christ. And I'm just trying to let you know his table is better than your table. <laughs> Verse 13. Verse 13, I got to move. We're almost done. It says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God <clears throat> so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. Let me tell you something. There are two types of evil days. There are big evil days and there are individual evil days. There's macro and micro evil days. Macro evil days are those, are those certain days that will God, and ultimately he will allow the enemy more access to earth to damage it. There is a restrainer based on Thessalonians. Oh, help me, God. <clears throat> I can't teach it all. It's just too much. That restrains the level of demonic activity and keep it at bay so we won't fully be as fully depraved as we could be. So you think the world's a mess now, but that's the strained out version. That's, this is the straight out version. But on an evil day, th th there's going to be a day where the four winds turn. And there are angelic forces that are standing at the four corners of the earth. And they are going to begin to stand back and let more of the enemy to, through. That's, that's the big evil day. <laughs> but these, these little evil days that we can have in standing firm... It's not just for the big evil days, but the day-to-day -day evil day. Now, you've had bad days, but there's a difference between a bad day and an evil day. An evil day is when the enemy is at, up to assassinating your sanctification. But in that same activity, because God doesn't waste an experience, God lets the evil day happen to you. Uh, 
God lets the evil day happen because he's for your sanctification. The enemy is for your assassination. Okay, let me see if I can make it plain. <clears throat> I used to hate when teachers did pop quizzes. Hate that. Because all of a sudden you come to class, you're thinking you're coming for something else. Open your books too. But they say, books away. You already knew what it was. When they say books away, pens on pencils on the desk, you're like, oh, here we go. <clears throat> There's a pop quiz. A pop quiz is really to train the class to always be prepared for a test. Ain't nobody gonna talk back. In other words, I'm gonna pop this on you so that next time this happens to you, you know to be ready all the time as a lifestyle, not just when I'm telling you on this day this thing is gonna happen. <clears throat> what I love about the te a good teacher though, prepares the students for the test. God prepared you and he wants to prepare you for every single test. The evil day is that test that will happen. And I can tell you, I've had my share of evil days. I had an evil year last year. Oh, ain't nobody gonna talk back. I hope I can still be your pastor if I'm honest about how it affected me. And, how, and, and, what, and what had to happen in my life. I ain't talking about what happened in my family, I'm talking about what happened in me. Um, haven't talked about it much. But I remember, the text says, we don't wrestle. The enemy came up close to me. My wife dealt with cancer for the seventh time. Then she got over that and then had to get a second liver transplant. Now, I was, I, I was okay at first, but then these thoughts start to come to my mind. And this thought came to my mind and said, leave your family. Just start over. Just, just, just don't worry about how it affects them, just do you. Leave your family and take care of yourself. Another one said, just get high. Just, God forgives. God forgives, go get high. Another voice, another voice said, commit adultery. You know, we went through, we, we honest about this stuff. When your wife's sick, you fellas, you go through some dry seasons. In those gaps, the enemy loves to whisper to you. He's like, E, E, come on, man. All this serving, you write books. Go ahead and get, nobody gotta know. Go ahead and go smash and act like nothing happened. I don't know how he talked to you, that's how he talked to me. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Now, I, know, I know ain't nobody in here ever had the enemy talk to them, but Eric Mason just talking for himself. And then he was like, look, Kill yourself. Kill yourself. And I'm in the battle, and I can't say that the temptation didn't touch me to while out. And being a believer, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, I will bring back to your remembrance 
all those things that I've taught you. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, go to your verse. I said, for the Lord God, with tears in my eyes, is a shield and a sun. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I'm just gonna tell you in the spirit, I don't know what happened to me, but I got up off my couch in the man cave and I began to say, devil, I hear you. In Jesus' mighty name, I shall live and I shall not die. I will not commit suicide. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will not commit adultery and destroy everything that God has given me. I will not binge on porn and masturbate, but I'm gonna walk. I will not get drunk and high and ruin everything. I will not destroy my children and leave my house dry without covering, dry without a father, dry without a priest, dry without a leader. No devil, not this time. The assignment on my life is canceled. Be gone, Satan. Sometimes you got to get in the book the right way and you got to talk back to them evil thoughts and you got to tell them thoughts, no, I hear what you're saying about me, but I know what God. I know you don't want me to be your pastor anymore, but every now and then you gotta be real about what you're struggling with. Yes, I wanted to commit suicide. Yes, I was tempted to leave, but I, be, I, I know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is a keeper. I'm not strong enough to keep myself. I just lean into the one that is able You can take a selfie if you want while you're going through your trial acting like you're doing good. But in reality, the devil don't care about what you post on Instagram and what you post on Facebook. The enemy cares about in reality what in the heck is going on really in your life. And you gotta decide, am I gonna go by what I think is going on and take a picture acting like everything is okay? Or am I gonna be honest? I know some of y'all already. The reason why this hits you so hard is because the enemy's talking to you. 
He's talking to you. And what he's doing in your mind is he's molesting your mind. And so we're going to pray a lot during this series. So if that's you, if you're suicidal, if you believe in the thoughts of the enemy in your life, I want you to get up here now. I want to pray for you. As close as you can. I know you're out there. them coming as close as they can. <clears throat> go ahead and let it out. Go ahead and let it out. Fellas, go ahead. Go ahead and let it out. It's okay. It's all right. all right it's all right well before the Lord cry out to the Lord Psalm 62 8 says pour out your soul before the Lord Lord God under the sound of my voice there's a lot of tired people they're just tired just tired, tired and hurting, and they have secret thoughts that are seeking to wipe them out, God. Hear your people, Spirit of God. many of you under the sound of my voice, you are <clears throat> deep in warfare. And the enemy wants to compromise your patience. He wants to give you a shortcut where God is saying, wait. God, and I pray for the person that feels like they have no options today, God. God, I pray that you would become their option. The only mechanism and means for freedom and healing and steadfastness. Teach your people 
that compromise is not a standard. God, teach your people that they're built to fight. They were recreated by what Christ has done <laughs> to tear through and be who you've called them to be, God. I pray for the man who's wrestling that you would let him be honest, God, in every single area of his life. I pray for the woman that's wrestling, God, that you would break every yoke and bondage in every area of her life. Those systemic things that are constant issues. Spirit of God, I pray today to be honest. I don't know how to exactly pray this, Lord, because you've given us everything, but we need to experience more of you in this church. And I'm praying for the gifts of the Spirit biblically to move in here. God, I'm praying for the move of the manifest presence of God to move in this place. That God, you would go into places and do surgery in us. Stuff that we've gone from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study and nothing's changed, God. What you do in a moment, what we've tried to do for ourselves over the years, God, break it. God, break it over our lives. Pray against us being known for anything else but Christ. Break every vice under the sound of my voice, God. Pray that you would bring release. Pray that you'd bring release, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.